You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And we are exploring, uh, well, an interesting, um, uh, sad, um, but continuing story that comes out of the Amherst Regional School System. And um, I guess I uh, have to do a little bit of history here, which we'll uh, all remember, I think, that, they, that some students alleged in the student-run newspaper, uh, The Graphic, that uh, LGBTQIA plus students felt that they were either being bullied or um, uh, made to feel unsafe in school. A long story that uh, flows from that includes the resignation of the school superintendent. It includes five resignations from uh, the various school committees, the school committee and regional school committees, there in Amherst, that uh, three uh, counselors, school counselors, were called on the carpet. Uh, a deputy who's in charge of diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion um, resigned and subsequently sued the school system. The story just goes on and on, and recently it resulted in claims of 51A to uh, the Department of Families and Children. Just for a little bit of clarity, There's a law in Massachusetts that says that if children are in need of care and protection as a result of either neglect or abuse, that uh, 51A, a petition is filed, um, a determination is made whether that is, in fact, um, uh, demonstrably a reasonable conclusion, in which case it goes on to a bigger investigation, or or is it unsubstantiated, which means... The investigation just stops. I think that there were six 51A reports, and of them, four of them were left unsubstantiated. But there are a couple of faculty members, well, employees, staff members uh, at the Amherst Middle School who end up, who are no longer working there as a result of these 51As. And with us to talk about it, well, let's start with you, um, Alex Lopez. You are executive board member of the um, uh, the association that represents uh, faculty and staff. There, um, you also work at the Summit Academy, and uh, you have your own, you're a parent of children who are in the school district. So, Alex Lop- Lopez, tell us about what's happened with these two people who are accused of, well, putting our children in jeopardy. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you going through the whole history um, because there is so much that is going on. Um, so at this point, I just want to be clear, it's not just four out of the six, but all six of the members who were accused um, were have all been found to be unsubstantiated. And so uh, we continue to work to get our members back to work um, because of the fact that it's not lost on me that these allegations are coming at a school where members have spoken up to protect children Um, as you referenced in the Title IX violations. Our members are coming to work every day, making sure that students are uh, safe, that they're secure, that they're stable. Um, And it's unfortunate that this district has seemingly decided to use the DCF apparatus um, in a way that's weaponized against those educators who are working so hard to make sure people are safe. And so we've had a lot of questions about why the district has chosen to reach out to DCF in these cases, which are so blatantly not 
at risk of, of children being harmed or neglected. Um, we are wondering why the district is using DCF as an investigative arm of its human resources department instead of actually conducting the procedures that are in place to make sure that our staff are supported as they deal with tricky situations. Um, and as a parent, I am really glad to see these members coming back um, because I hate to believe the narrative that the district is sending that six times in 36 days, they thought there was a problem substantial enough that they reached out to DCF without doing their own investigation or stepping in once again. Well, let me turn to you, Claire Coco. You are the communications director for the Amherst Pelham Education Association. You are also a social studies teacher. Like Alex Lopez, you have students in the school system, and you were teaching at the middle school. Um, in the wake of the resignation of the superintendent, the former superintendent, during that period of tumult we were just talking about, um, Douglas Slaughter, who was the finance guy, for the district, he was named interim superintendent. And I have to assume, is he the one who's making the decisions to report to the Department of Families and Children these quote-unquote 51As, these, these uh, complaints about people uh, either abusing or neglecting the students? Uh, who's making the decisions and why? Yeah, such a great question and one that we've definitely been asking and asking for quite a while since... Um, as Alex mentioned, this was like all of a sudden in 36 days getting slammed with these um, filings. And it's been very unclear the answers. And one thing that we do know is that um, building administrators have been bypassed by um, the district level um, administrators. So when I talk about building administrators, I mean like principal, right? Normally, a pr daily normal operation of a school there's gonna be times when kids and families are unhappy about something the principal can step in that's one of their job descriptions is to step in and um you know resolve conflicts between um folks that belong in the school community but the district has just sort of bypassed the normal operating procedures and gone straight to honestly, the nuclear option, 51A, which is really unheard of because, um, you know, it, it's the, the district might want to file on itself if it knew that there were cases of abuse of, or neglect, but actually, like Alex mentioned, this is um, just not even doing their job. They're just making the state take on investigations that could be handled at such a lower level and then resolved peacefully and not cause such disruption to the classroom. Unfortunately, we've had, you know, in some cases, staff put on leave. And in other cases, which is a real head scratcher, staff stay. Um, and if they really believe there was a case of abuse or neglect, wouldn't they want that staff person not in the classroom or in the in the environment? So it's it's been very difficult to suss out what the district's thought is. In other words, this. once the allegations were unsubstantiated, they then let these people come back. And you're asking, why would you do that if they were putting children in? And no, no, even, even, while, even while they're being filed upon, they were allowed to remain. I see. So in some of these cases, we've had educators who have 
come into extreme circumstances, attempted to support students, um, only to find out later that the district was accusing them of wrongdoing to the Department of uh, Family and Children, right? Um, and they have found that out and then been expected to go back to their classroom and just continue on. I, I used to be a foster parent um, and these sort of charges are horrifying. They're scary. They don't end at your classroom door. These are investigations that go through your life. And so just to give a very quick anecdote, as a foster parent, I remember having a child in my home who needed the support of uh, their therapist had recommended we set them up with a safe, comforting, cozy corner. And so I did what I think a lot of parents do. I looked towards teachers and I, I looked up a whole bunch of their Pinterest and saw that one of them had created this amazing sensory corner out of a clean, brand new trash can, and a whole bunch of fuzzy materials. And so I copied off of them and did the same in my home. When that kid got in trouble at school, there were were asked what would happen if you were at home right now and the kid being four years old at the time says well I would go into the trash now the administrator who was there who ran the program was able to have a conversation with me at pickup that day and as a result of that conversation and seeing pictures of the cozy corner at home asked me to build more for their program mm. now that's the power of when we talk directly to our administrators but what's happening here is that we are in an Amherst system where those interactions are being blown up and gone to the nuclear level and an investigation is started before anyone can have a conversation about what actually happened. How do we best support these students? How do we best support these staff so that we can go back to our classrooms and continue on with our day? So, Hi, this is Bill Newman. I, I would appreciate your clarifying one thing for us, and that is that Teachers, educators, uh, school officials are what's called mandated reporters under 51A. If they suspect or have a reason to believe that there has been abuse or neglect, I think they have to report. I don't quite understand the intersection of that legal requirement with what was happening in the Amherst schools, and I don't understand why, really, why it's happening now. Uh, why all these reports now? Claire Coco, would you like to address that? Um, you're right. Yes, um, we are mandated reporters, um, which means that the, the district should have clear guidelines for when um, we report. Um, but if yes, if we suspect um, that there's abuse or neglect, there's avenues for us as um, employees of the schools to have that checked out. Um, why now? I mean, it's not, we're not really getting clear answers from the district about why it is now. Um, is it a, as some have, I mean, some, you know, I, I think you may easily be able to find in the media, a, a couple of our members have come out and publicly with their ideas and, and they feel like this has been a great injustice done to them. Um, in particular, one person who was following their um, obligation to report suspected abuse and then themselves got accused uh, by the district of abuse. So it, it is really troublesome. Um, we just ask that, uh, 
you know, we follow um, the normal operating procedures that for years um, have worked when there have been conflicts um, and to resolve them, um, as Alex mentioned, the lower level step is to speak, speak to the involved parties. If it's a parent complaint or a student complaint or a staff complaint, talk to them. Um, so Alex Lopez, yeah. you, I, I read a very interesting comment, a uh, quote of you, uh, in I think it was the, the, uh, Daily Hampshire Gazette report. Maybe it was mass live, but, um, in explaining the question which we just asked, which Bill just asked, you said that the school is trying to, quote, punish their way back into good graces. What did you mean by that? Yeah. I, I don't pretend to speak for the district in any way, shape, or form. But I do encourage my students on a daily basis to... Uh, to recognize patterns, right? And I think that it is telling that in meetings with Superintendent Slaughter, when we asked for the procedures that Claire was mentioning for how does the district choose when to file 51As, what are our policies so that we're supported as mandated reporters to make sure that all of our students are safe? It was weeks before Superintendent Slaughter could produce those. That is really troubling. There were times where he told us he couldn't figure it out because there was one central office staff member who was out on leave. And so we would have to wait for her to get back in order for us to be able to get clarity. I don't wanna to have to tell a student who's at risk or in danger that they have to wait weeks or until someone else gets back because we don't have an institutional procedure in place to support them in a time of need. So when I think about that and that vulnerability, it's really hard for me, especially as the parent of a student who is trans, to think about the fact that just last year, this was a building where educators were speaking out alongside their students saying, we want procedures to make sure our students are safe where educators had to risk themselves, where students had to be vulnerable in order to say we deserve safety in an ongoing and systematically guaranteed way, which is our right by law. And so when we are back here at a place where we are saying very similar things that our students, our schools, our staff deserve to be safe and stable, that we shouldn't be playing guessing games about that, I think it is really damaging to see a school district who instead of offering support has offered investigations and instead of trying to make sure that we are giving our students what they deserve is instead creating more instability with what seems to be a guessing game of punitive nature. We are going to continue our conversation with Alex Lopez and with Claire Coco, both educators in the Amherst school system. We'll be right back. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon Or you're watching 
Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And we are speaking with uh, Alex Lopez and Claire Coco, both members of the Amherst Pelham Education Association, both educators in the Amherst uh, Regional School District, um, and both parents of children there. So I guess my question is, if, if you are a new interim superintendent and you are a superintendent in a school system that just underwent so much tumult and overturning of positions because children were made to feel unsafe within the schools. You err on the side of caution and file 51As when you get a scent, a smell that a child is made to feel unsafe, or you hold off in deference to the people that you trust and want to support who are educating our children. Let me ask you that question, Claire Coco. You are the communications director for the Education Association. Well, just to um, say that it, it's a curious thing because the if we're talking about safety around gender identity, that was a Title IX investigation. So it seems like the district un- kind of should understand that that's a Title IX investigation you know, or complaint. Um, but this is this is in a whole nother realm. Fifty one A's means abuse or neglect, and I think Alex has something to say as well about that. Yeah, I think. Um... Just to be really clear, I see educators practicing proactively, how do we keep our students safe? How do we meet their needs every single day, right? Um, when, When we've seen snow days coming, I know folks who are making sure their students have snacks to go home with because they want to make sure that 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 student isn't going hungry the next day because they're not in school. That is a radically different approach to making sure our students are safe than what, unfortunately, we've seen from this administration. Because you're right, Superintendent Slaughter came in to a time period where trust had broken down. And part of that trust had broken down because of the way the Title IX investigation was handled, where it was put off for so long that it became a huge deal that instead of intervening at any of the points where staff members and students had complained about what was happening, they continued to push it under the rug. And even in the end, instead of going through the Department of Ed and having a public uh, investigation, it was handled in-house by an attorney who was familiar with the district. And so when we come into a situation like this, instead of the administration coming into the classroom and being proactive about addressing these issues about talking to people, about making sure that students and staff are safe, it once again is going out to DCF in a way that isn't helping, as we have seen six times over, because DCF has turned around and said, there's nothing here. And so as APEA members and as other educators in the district and community members, we've walked back into school with those teachers. And I want to just be very clear of how brave those teachers have had to be going back into a school district that has accused them uh, so horrifically. Claire Coco, we only we have less than 30 seconds. I have intentionally not asked you the names of the teachers that were uh, that, that are gone as a result of the 51A. 
In about 20 seconds, can you tell us about those teachers and how they're doing? One was released, even though the state said there's nothing here um, that staff person lost that teacher lost her job um, and that she's come public. Her name is Erin Lawler. She's knows this is completely unfair and we've backed her on that as as the APA. Well, the we, other we do one, hope her. I wish you weren't running out of time, but we are. We just want to thank you, Alex. We want to thank you, Claire. Thank and you we want much. to thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Good luck, Amherst.